Good morning. Welcome to Christ Church. I'm Pastor Virginia Reynolds and one of the pastors here at Christ Church and it's my joy to share in this time of worship with you. If you're new to Christ Church, a special welcome to you. I'll invite you to go to our website at ChristGreensboro.org and click on I'm New where you will find resources and an opportunity to complete a connect card so that we may be in touch with you in the coming weekdays. This morning as we gather for worship, I hope that you're also taking time to find ways to grow in Christ-likeness. We have Bible studies, small group gatherings, and many opportunities throughout the week for you to connect with some of the people here at Christ Church and to grow in your faith. I hope you'll contact the church office or go on the website to find out which one is just right for you. We have an exciting new service opportunity coming up, and if you've been waiting for just the right time to come and to serve and to be part of something exciting, here's your chance. Beginning on June the 16th, on Tuesdays and Thursday evenings, we will be packaging meals for families with children ages 0 to 18 and distributing them at the Glenwood campus. The first part of that is done inside. It is packaging in a small group of people, and so it will be a safe environment and place for you to come and serve, but more importantly, to make a difference to the children in the Glenwood community. I hope that you'll go on the church website to learn more and to sign up to be part of this exciting experience. Today we come to our time of worship, and in the tradition of the Methodist Church, this is Peace and Justice Sunday. As we hear God's Word and as we gather at the Lord's table for Holy Communion, may we be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit in this hour. Let us worship together.
Church. Kara Harvey here. I'm the Director of Children's Discipleship at Christ United Methodist Church, and I want to invite all of my friends to gather around close so that you can hear a message just for you. Now, friends, I want you to do something for me really quick. I want you to take a look around at your family members. Get a good look at everybody, everyone who you're at home with, and I want you to see if you can spot one thing that is the same about you and someone in your family. Maybe you and your mom have the same color hair. Or maybe you and your brother both have a chin dimple. Me and my brother both have chin dimples. Can you find something that's the same? Great. Now, once you do something different, I want you to look at all your family members and I want you to see if you can spot something that's different about you and one of your family members. Do you and your dad have different color hair? Are you and your sister or your brother different heights? Do you all look a little bit different? See if you can find something different. Did you find it? Good. Now my friends, I want you to imagine how silly it would be if you decided to not like one of your family members just because they had something that was different than you. And that wouldn't make any sense at all, would it? Do you know that God made each and every one of us special? And he made each and every one of us different. In Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter 1, the first chapter, verse 27, we learn this. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them, male and female. God created them. That means that every person you will ever see has a little bit of God in them. You will never see someone who wasn't made by God and who isn't loved by God. Isn't that good news? I think so. Now, friends, sometimes people forget that all people are loved by God and made by God. Sometimes people forget this so much that they treat each other really badly just because they might look differently or sound different or act different from them. Friends, this week, I want you to remember that every person you see, every single person is loved by God and was made in the image of God. Friends, a fancy way to say made in the image of God is Imago Dei. Can you say that with me? Imago Dei. So friends, this week, every time you see someone, I want you to think in your head, Imago Dei. That person was made by God. And my friends, I'm counting on you to do this. The world really needs you to lead the way in kindness and compassion, and in reminding everyone that all people are Imago Dei, made in the image of God. Do you think you can do that this week? I know you can. All right, friends, I miss you. Can't wait to see you soon, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. As we move into our time of prayer this morning, we're sharing a prayer from Howard Thurman, the late civil rights leader and theologian. Hear this prayer. Lord, Lord, open unto me, 
Open unto me light for my darkness. Open unto me courage for my fear. Open unto me hope for my despair. Open unto me peace for my turmoil. Open unto me joy for my sorrow. Open unto me strength for my weakness. Open unto me wisdom for my confusion. Open unto me forgiveness for my sins. Open unto me tenderness for my toughness. Open unto me love for my hates. Open unto me thyself for my sin. Lord, Lord, open unto me. Amen. Friends, we are moving now into our time of offering, and we are so grateful for your generosity, which allows us as a church to worship together, to grow together even when we are apart, and to serve our community well. As we move into this uh, summer season, your generosity is particularly important, and you can give via text, via online giving, and via mail, uh, by mailing it to the church office. Thank you for your generosity, which impacts this community in so many different ways.
morning, everyone. We're Mary Beth and Carl Lindquist, and we are coming to you from Charlotte, where we're doing this video. Uh, we're doing some childcare for our uh, grandchild down here, but we're glad to be with you and in order to share uh, this morning's scripture lesson. Uh, our first scripture lesson comes from the Old Testament, book of Esther, chapter four, verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your fa father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And from Colossians chapter 3, verses 11 through 14. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Thanks so much to Mary Beth and Carl for reading this morning's scripture. Good morning, Christ Church. I'm Pastor Morris Brown. I'm one of the pastors of our community of faith, and it's so good to be with you this morning. For worship. Uh, before we reflect on the texts that have been read, let me invite you to uh, join me in as we offer a word of prayer. Our gracious Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of this day. We come to you in the midst of troubled times, but our scriptures remind us that even in turbulent times, your presence is with us. And so we ask that you surround us this day as we reflect on the texts that have been read. We ask that your Holy Spirit be poured out upon us, that you might shape us and mold us into the kind of people that our world so desperately needs. We ask all these things in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. So if you've been with us over the past few weeks, you know that last Sunday we completed our What the World Needs Now worship series. In that series, we used Colossians chapter 3 to talk about the kind of people that our world so desperately needs us to be. Over these weeks, we said that our world needs us to be people who are clothed with things like compassion and kindness, humility and meekness. Patience and forgiveness and certainly love. And all of these things are true. There's one quality, however, that we left out. And it's a quality that the horrific murder of George Floyd, as well as the suffering and the violence that have resulted from it, have reminded me of this week. What is that quality? It is the quality of tolerance. See, Colossians 3.13 says, be tolerant of one another. A tolerance is what our world that is so broken by the sin of racism needs now. Tolerance is what our world that is so divided by political ideologies desperately needs now. A tolerance is what our world that is so racked with all kinds of socioeconomic injustice is what our world needs now. Tolerance is what our world that has been set on edge by three months of dealing with COVID-19 needs now. But here's the question. Uh, what is tolerance and how do we grow in our ability to be tolerant 
people, people who model tolerance both in and for our broken and hurting and struggling world. Well, let's begin by considering what tolerance is and what it is not. Well, Webster's Dictionary defines tolerance as a healthy respect for the beliefs and behaviors of other people, a healthy respect for the beliefs and behaviors of other people whether we agree with them or not. Now, being tolerant doesn't mean that we should be morally indifferent. Uh, it doesn't mean that we should accept destructive or immoral behavior that hurts others. It's not the idea that anything goes. As Thomas Mann once said, tolerance becomes a crime when it's applied to evil. Instead, Tim Keller reminds us, tolerance is about how your beliefs lead you to treat those whose beliefs differ from your own. In other words, tolerance means being open to, having the humility to listen to and learn from the thoughts and the opinions of people who are different from us. It means to have the willingness to respectfully engage people who come at the world from a different racial or religious or political or socioeconomic or sexual orientation than we do. Tolerance means to understand that our perspective is certainly not the only perspective or always the right perspective. It is to understand what the Dalai Lama namely says. Tolerance is the ability to understand that one's enemy can sometimes be one's best teacher. So if all these things define tolerance, the question is, how can you and I become more tolerant? How can we become the tolerant people that our world so desperately needs? Let me suggest some ways. One way to become a more tolerant person is to honestly confess that we are often intolerant. You know, there are very few of us that would honestly admit that at times we have a problem with intolerance. There are few, very few of us who would say, I'm a racist, or I'm homophobic, or I'm a sexist, or I'm xenophobic. But if we take the time to do some serious self-reflection, if we do an honest evaluation of our thoughts and words and deeds, if we pay attention to how we react in certain situations, we soon discover that we are intolerant. That's what happened to Amy Cooper several weeks ago. You may remember uh, she was with her dog in Central Park. She had let her dog off her leash in a wooded area so he could get some exercise. At that point, she was confronted by a man by the name of Christian Cooper, an African-American man who was bird-watching in the area. He reminded Amy that there was a leash law and asked her to put her dog back on his leash. How did Amy Cooper respond to his request? She told him she was going to call the police and tell them that her life was being threatened by an African-American man. Christian Cooper, who recorded the whole incident on his phone, later posted it on Facebook. And as we all know, it went viral. Reflecting later on what happened, Amy Cooper, who was a very educated woman, said this. I'm not a racist. I didn't mean any harm to that man in any way. I think I just got scared. Perhaps, however, Amy's fear revealed a racist attitude she, like all of us, may not be conscious of. It revealed that she was a product of a racist system like all of us are. 
Now, however, now that that attitude, that racism has been uncovered, she can honestly confess it and address it and begin to change it. I know over the last week, I've begun to enter this process in a much deeper way. I mean, I've been thinking about the fact that when I get pulled over by police, I might worry about getting a ticket. But seldom have I thought about the fact that my African-American friends, when they get pulled over, have to worry if they'll be beaten or even killed. I thought about the fact that I had lots of talks with my boys when they were growing up, but I rarely thought about the fact that my African-American friends, well, they've had to have the talk with their boys over and over again. I thought about the fact that over the years I've been bothered when my white pastor friends were appointed to bigger churches and got bigger salaries than me. But I've hardly ever thought about the fact that the African-American pastors in our annual conference are some of the lowest paid. You know, I have to admit, I have to confess that in all these ways and other ways that I'm probably still not aware of, I've been intolerant. I've been racist. I've supported a system that's destroying the fabric of our society. So I need to admit that. I need to confess that. I need to say that I'm sorry. I'm going to work to change that. Someone has said the first step to solving a problem is to admit that you have a problem. If you and I are going to become more tolerant people, the kind of people our world desperately needs, the first step is for all of us to do some honest self-reflection and acknowledge that deep down, in a variety of ways, we all struggle with intolerance. With racism, with an unjust social society. Another way to grow in tolerance, however, is to remember that even though we're all different, we're also all the same. You know, we live in a world that's filled with people from different backgrounds, with different colors of skin, and different stages and stations in life. And in many ways, that presents us with a wonderful opportunity. It presents us with the opportunity to experience a variety of worldviews, a variety of approaches to life. In other ways, however, it creates serious challenges. For as people who differ from one another, engage one another, they are bound to have some rough spots. And sometimes these rough spots, well, they turn violent. To combat this, our faith calls us to remember that we all come from the same life source. Our faith calls us to remember that we have been all created by the same God. Our faith calls us to remember that beneath all the qualities and characteristics that make us different, we have a connection that is more important than anything else. Paul reminded us in this morning's text when he said words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, they mean absolutely nothing. From now on, Christ defines everyone. Everyone is included in Christ. We're also reminded of this every time we recite the Lord's Prayer. I mean, think about it. We don't begin the Lord's Prayer by saying, My Father who art in heaven, do we? No, we begin the Lord's Prayer by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, 
This prayer reminds us that God is the parent of us all. Someone has said that people are like trees in a forest. Some are big and some are small. Some are straight and some are crooked. Some have rough bark. Others have smooth bark. But they're all trees. And they're all beautiful in their own way. So if you and I want to become people who are growing in our ability to be tolerant, if we want to be the tolerant people our world so desperately needs in times like this, we've got to remember that although we're all different, we are ultimately all Third way to grow in our ability to be more tolerant is to spend time with people, significant time with people who are different than we are. This week, a member of our staff team sent me an article by a woman named Dana Brownlee. She's an African-American author. The article was entitled, Dear White People, Here Are Ten Actions You Can Take to Promote Racial Justice in the workplace. Do you know what the number one action to promote racial justice was? Get to know more people of color. Get to know more people of color. If you and I want to grow in tolerance, we've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to find a way to spend significant amounts of time with people from different races, ethnicities, religious beliefs, sexual orientation. You know, Jesus was a master at this. If you take even a cursory read through the Gospels, you find that he spent time, significant amounts of time, with all kinds of people. Men and women, children and adults, rich and poor, lepers and lawyers, priests and prostitutes, Gentiles and Jews, people who agreed with him, people who didn't agree with him. I believe spending time with such a diverse group of people enabled Jesus to grow in tolerance respect, and love of those who differed from him. And I believe it will do the same for us. Some of you may remember that in 2016, an 85-year-old parish priest in France was gruesomely executed by a group of Muslim terrorists. Now, many Muslims in France who didn't agree with the terrorists wondered what they might do to show their sympathy and their support to the French Catholics. Someone came up with a wonderful idea. On the Sunday after the murder, thousands of Muslims and Catholics decided to begin attending weekly Mass together. This is one step that will help people who are different learn to be tolerant of one another, they said. Mark Twain once put it like this, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And, and that's absolutely true. But so is spending significant amounts of time with people who differ from us. As Dana Brownlee put it so convincingly, fear is often the root of bigotry. And one of the best antidotes for erasing fear is knowledge and familiarity. The saying is, know me, like me, trust me. And that trust-building process simply starts with knowing people better. So if you and I are going to become the tolerant people that our world so desperately needs now, we've got to find a way to spend some significant amounts of time with people who differ from us 
in some way. Because as we do that, we begin to come to the realization that all people, all people matter. A fourth way to become more tolerant, however, is to actively do something to address and alleviate the horrible effects of intolerance. Some of you may remember the story of Queen Esther in the Old Testament. In that story, uh, the Jewish people are threatened with annihilation at the hands of a racist uh, by the name of Haman. Now, Queen Esther, who's a Jewish woman, is married to the pagan king. And she's confronted by her uncle Mordecai, who asks her to speak to the king on behalf of her people. When he does this, you would think that Esther would agree readily to do it. But at first, because of fear, because she doesn't want to get involved, because she doesn't think she can make a difference, she refuses. In response to her refusal, however, her uncle says, Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will come from another place, but you and your family will perish. Who knows but that you have come to your position for such a time as this. Hearing her uncle, Esther decides to do the right thing. She decides to do the courageous thing. She decides to take a risk and use her position of privilege and power to get involved, to make a difference, to affect change. And because she does this, because she refuses to remain silent, her people are saved. Now listen, I know you and I aren't kings or queens. But the truth is, most of us, because of the color of our skin, are in positions of power and influence. And in this time of racial and social injustice, when they are so prevalently evident, we just can't sit silently back and do nothing. Instead, we, like Esther, must use our position, must use our power to do something, to help. Now, that's going to look different for each of us. Some of us will hit the streets in peaceful protest. Uh, some of us will work toward policy changes. Some of us will join or financially support groups that are working toward racial reconciliation. Uh, some of us will read books or attend workshops to educate ourselves about the causes and history of racism and social injustice. Some of us will pay more attention to the way we vote, and some of us will begin to vote. Whether it's big things or small things, all of us must find our voice to do something. We must use our position of power and influence to address the racial and social injustice that we see in our society and alleviate its horrible effects. As we do this, we'll begin to discover something amazing happening. We'll discover that we are becoming more tolerant people. For as someone once said, sometimes you can't think yourself into a new way of acting, but you can act yourself into a new way of thinking. To become the tolerant people our world desperately needs, we've all got to do something to address and alleviate the horrible effects of intolerance. Finally, to grow in our ability to be more tolerant, we ultimately have to seek the help of God. 
See, many times when you and I engage someone who is different from us, our, our first tendency is to tense up, to go into defense mode, uh, to simply reject that person before we get to know them. For example, I love a story about two nuns who decided to go to a baseball game. Uh, during the game, some men were sitting behind them, and, and they didn't like Catholics. So they started talking about the nuns in voices loud enough for the nuns to hear them. The first guy said, you know, I think all, uh, we should all go to Texas because there aren't many Catholics there. The second guy said, no, I think we should all go to Oklahoma because there are even fewer Catholics there. The third guy said, well, I think we should all go to Alaska because there's only a couple of Catholics there. Finally, one nun had had enough. So she turned around and said, I think you should all go to hell because there aren't any Catholics there. It's a silly story, but it makes an important point. To tense up, to get defensive, to lash out at those who are different from us is a natural human reaction. These are reactions that come from what psychologists call our ancient reptilian mind, the oldest part of our brain that is left over from our fight or flight days of evolution. It's the part of our brain that is rigid and defensive. But the reptilian mind is not the only mind that we have to work out of. For as we ask God through the practice of prayer and meditation, through taking Holy Communion, through engaging in consistent worship and the study of ancient scripture, God will begin to help us operate out of what the Apostle Paul calls the mind of Christ. And as we begin to operate out of the mind of Christ, we find that our reactions to those who are different from us begin to be altered. Instead of immediately fighting with or running from or coldly rejecting those who think and act differently, we find that gradually something is happening. We find that gradually we're being more open to engage and learn and, and build relationships with those who differ from us. We find that we have more empathy and compassion for those who are oppressed. We find that we're being drawn to do something to alleviate suffering and work for positive change in our world. So if you and I want to become the tolerant people that our world so desperately needs now, if we want to become people who have the wisdom and strength and fortitude to work to address and alleviate intolerance as we see it in our world, we've got to ask God for We've got to ask God to help us put on the mind of Christ. Someone once said tolerance is a key to enabling relationships and societies to function well. And that is so true. You and I live in an incredibly diverse society, in an incredibly diverse world. And if we don't learn to be tolerant people, to respect and love one another, to work toward racial reconciliation and the creation of a just and peaceful society for all God's children, well, as you've seen over the past week, our society and our world may not survive. Tolerance is what the world needs now. And we can become more tolerant people. We can become people who model the tolerance our world so desperately needs by admitting our own struggle with intolerance. 
by remembering that even though we're all different, we're all so all the same. By spending some significant time with people who differ from us in some way. By actively doing something out of our positions of power and influence to address and alleviate the horrible effects of intolerance. By asking God to help us put on the mind of Christ, which enables us to do all these things. Well, let's pray about it. Oh, gracious and merciful God, we live in a broken world. A world that is filled with racism, oppression, and injustice. And we have seen over the past week the effects of what has gone on not only in the past week, but the past month, the past years, for generations. We pray, merciful God, that we will grasp this opportunity to live differently, to become more tolerant, to get involved, to help shape and mold and change your world, that it might be a world of peace and justice for all your children. We ask these things in the name of Christ, who is our Lord. Friends, we come to the table this morning painfully aware of the sins of our world, sins in which we are complicit by our action and inaction, by intention and lack thereof, sins that took root generations before and that will remain for generations to come if we do not learn repentance. When a pandemic most impacts the frail, the impoverished, and those with diminished access to health care, further revealing the depth of the inequality in our world. When our black and brown brothers and sisters fear for their lives and those of their children as they go about their days in our communities and even dwell inside their own homes. When people are judged by the color of their skin or a uniform that they wear, not by the content of their character. When we have allowed ourselves to be seduced by hate, scapegoating, and othering, rather than seeking relationships reconciliation with those unlike us. When the resources of our planet are being exploited in order to meet the demands of our greed or fulfill our desire for convenience, sentencing future generations to live in a world unlike support. In the midst of all of this, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful and gracious God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be the church you call us to be. We have not always listened to understand, and we have not always seen others the way you see them. We have, at times, sought the path of least resistance, placing our comfort above justice for all. We have not cared for your creation as you would have We have allowed ourselves to be driven by unholy motives. We have passed by the hurting and the growing and looked the other way, thus revealing our own brokenness. Forgive us, we pray. Free us from lives of love, justice, and truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
time of silent confession before God. Brothers and sisters, the good news is this. The pain and injustice of this world seems overwhelming, but our hope is stronger. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. And so Christ calls us to die to our sin and to discover a new life. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, it is right, right to give our thanks and praises. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. God of all nations and races, God who encompasses all genders, God whose beauty is revealed in the sheer diversity of your creation. You formed us, each one of us, in your image, and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love fails, your love remains steadfast. You delivered us from captivity and continue to deliver us from new captivities. You spoke to us through the prophets and called us to be modern prophets of your love, justice, and peace. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we cry out for justice, we sing for holiness, we praise your name and join the unending Sacrifice of Christ, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice, 
in pursuit of the full realization of the kingdom of God as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
us pray in celebration of this common table and the life to which we are called. God, God of all people, we, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Now we go into the world as your people, empowered by your Spirit, with a humble courage and a holy discontent, to see the image of God in everyone we meet, to break bread with people not like us, to be open to the reshaping of our spirits, and to participate in the transformation of the world as we prepare for the full inbreaking of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please join in singing our final hymn for the healing of the nations.
Now may each of us be determined to be clothed with tolerance for every person God places in our path this week. Now may we seek to out new relationships that lead us to understanding. And right now, may each of us put on the mind of Christ in our words and in our actions, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of God the Father and Christ the Son, we may find peace and justice. Amen. Thanks for being at Christ Church. We'll see you next Sunday.